Good morning. If you are new, my name is Kevin. I serve as a teaching pastor at this church, but today I'm not teaching. So uh, I get the joy of actually getting to sit in a service and be blessed by somebody else speaking. A lot of times we have speakers when I travel off island, but today I get to just enjoy the service. I was here in the first service and I really enjoyed it. Our guest is Jim Smith. He and his wife, Vicki, right here. He's going to come up and share in just a second. He is the president of the Pacific Church Network, used to be called Conservative Baptist Association. Yeah. About 75 churches in California. But uh, as he'll tell you, I asked him to share just a little bit about all of that. Uh, he's traveling through, sometimes he travels through Asia. He was just in Hong Kong, and coming within that umbrella is uh, C Global CB, right? Conservative Baptist uh, Global, which is hundreds, hundreds of churches. And if you don't know what that is, it's like sister churches all in one uh, network, and we help each other. There have been times in the 10 years I've been here where one of our sister churches in the Philippines was destroyed by a typhoon, and we had a collection, and we sent it uh, to them, and so did all the other sister churches to help them rebuild their church. And as if anyone who's been here long enough, they know this church was destroyed by a typhoon as well 20-something years ago. Uh, and the same thing happened to us, where all the churches in the network took collections and it, and it helped our church. So uh, that's one of the things, but also working together to plant churches, which he'll share a little bit about. We committed five or six years ago to helping with the project of church planting. And uh, so that's our relationship with Jim. I met him when I first came here and just have enjoyed my relationship with both of you over the years. And it's a joy to have you come. So let's welcome him as he comes up to preach and share God's Word with us today. West LA, huh? yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good to be here. Thank you very much. It's just great when a pastor gives up a, a pulpit. So thank you, Kevin. <laughs> it's great. Uh, it's good to be here. I think I first came here in 2008 and I've been coming here at, whenever I go out over in Asia. And as Kevin said, we have a number of churches. I just met with uh, some leaders in Hong Kong uh, from eight different countries that represent a number of churches. We have 700 in India, and then we have about 60 that are up in Japan, 40 on Taiwan, 270 some in Indonesia, then there's about 900 in the Philippines, and they're all getting together. This is the first time we've gotten together since 2019, uh, the pre-COVID years, and we just haven't uh, seen one another, and we shared how their experiences were in the various countries and struggles, and things we've learned, and things we learned not to do, and it was just great. One of the things everyone seemed to learn is how to do online services, and be savvy with the internet, and so many had no clue what to do and they said we just had to get up on how to do online services but that was that was fun pacific church network and you're part of that and very generous part of that we appreciate as kevin says uh giving us money on a regular basis because there are things that happen and we're not always aware when they're going to happen one of our churches is on the island of oahu and as you know the big fire on uh, maui destroyed the uh, whole town and so they're working with families that were hit hard on that island, and they have collected money, I think it was about $20,000, and distributing it to needy people and families on the island of Maui. So it's things like that we do, plus we plant churches. And we try to do planting, church planting every year, 
and then we support them for a number of years until they get up on their feet. So you uh, have been helping us. We currently are supporting a church in the city of Austin, Texas, just outside. They started in a home, 25, 30. Then they outgrew that, and so they, they uh, asked if they could rent a restaurant on Sunday morning. The restaurant said, sure. And so they uh, met there in Georgetown, Texas, and they outgrew that restaurant. And then they went to a dance hall that's available on Sunday morning. They don't do any dancing on Sunday morning. So they're currently renting that dance hall, and they're just slowly growing, and it's just been great. But you've been helping support that church in Austin. We're starting a new church in Palm Springs. This Christmas Eve is their launch when they start, and that's uh, going to start um, this year. And then right here on the island of Guam, we're excited about Mel and Rachel and starting that church here. And so we're uh, partnering with you as we just support him and his church planning efforts. So that's what we do. So when you give, not only does your money help your church here, Bayview, but helping churches literally around the world. So we just thank you so much. We also help pastors uh, and wives, and so we get together with that and encourage them, emails, newsletters. We have training programs. Kevin's way out here in Guam, so I try to swing by every time I can, and we stay in touch with uh, you all, and we just love being here. So thank you, thank you very much for coming this morning. You probably didn't even know I was going to be here. So anyway, this is thank you for your faithfulness in coming to church. Pacific Church Network is uh, it's part of, historically, the Conservative Baptist Network. So if you heard of that, that's what we historically are from. But it's just good to be here. I, was gonna, I am going to talk about uh, the book of Philippians, in Philippians chapter 1. And if you have your Bibles, go there. But uh, I'm entitling my message, uh, Finding Joy in the Midst of Problems. Finding Joy in the Midst of Problems. There's so many problems in the world today, aren't there? You just go on the news and you hear about problems after problems, especially in Israel. And what a tragic thing that, that happened, the, the massacre and uh, the bloodshed and the ongoing war. And we pray for peace in Israel, as the psalmist said in Psalm 122. But your life, you have problems. And how do you find joy? How do you find joy? So I'm preaching on that today. So yesterday, we concluded with our meetings in Hong Kong. And Hong Kong is celebrating 60 years of ministry with the 13 churches they have in the city of Hong Kong. And there was a big celebration. We had our meetings, and then we were going to have a luncheon, and 200-plus people, leaders there in the churches, were going to come and celebrate. And then they have a worship time today. But I was going to be at the lunch and then leave, take a flight, and fly all night to get here. But I, um, we're just getting our boarding pass with Philippine Airlines. And so I was using my phone just before the luncheon, and it kept saying, error, error, error. And I, was, I was losing my joy. <laughs> it was like, I, I want to get my boarding pass so I can go to this luncheon because I want to celebrate with them. Uh, and they kept saying, you have to go to the desk when you get to the airport, so come early. I go, I don't want to come early. I want to go to the luncheon. So I went to the luncheon, kept trying to get my boarding pass. Error, error. So we're at the luncheon, and I whispered to Vicky, I said, I think we're going to have to leave early because they said we have to get there early. So we did. So we left early. I was, was not in the best mood, but I went, I, we got to leave. So we go out there. We're going to take an Uber to get on train to go to the airport. So I go on and try to get air, a connection there. And I couldn't get a connection with my Uber. Give me free Wi-Fi somewhere. And I just couldn't get it. 
I was losing my joy. <laughs> Little problems. So then I go, well, let's just get a taxi. So I hailed the taxi and said, hey, I want to go to the airport. Take credit card. I said, no, we don't take credit card. Only Hong Kong dollars. I go, I don't have any. I go, now what am I going to do? And I, it's time's going quickly by. So I ran back up to lunch and saw a friend and said, sorry, can you just, because the banks were closed, couldn't go in a bank and do currency exchange. And I didn't have any Hong Kong dollars. So I went in there, got Hong Kong dollars. We got a taxi, got to the airport, got there early. The desk opens. We wait in line. We get up to the counter and she's there typing. And whenever people type for a long time, They go, oh, this doesn't look good. I go, is there a problem? She goes, yeah, the plane hasn't landed. Uh, something with your ticket, I don't know, but can you come back in an hour and a half? I go, what? An hour and a half? I could have stayed at the luncheon. Uh, I was losing my joy <laughs> with the little problems. You ever had that happen? Just little things kind of gnaw at you, and you just look. And I'm remembering, I'm going to preach on this tomorrow. And so I'm trying to keep my joy. We, Vicky and I go, oh, what are we going to do now? So, all right, hang out at McDonald's. So we went there. And finally, I kept trying to get my boarding pass. Finally got my boarding pass. I go, I got it. So we went to security and went in and waited for a flight. Took our flight from Hong Kong to Manila. We get into Manila. We're transferring to another plane to come to Guam. And then we had to go through a couple security lines. And one security line goes, do you have your boarding pass? I go, yes. They go, no, no, the paper one. They go, what? They go, no, you have to have a paper one. I go, a what? Who get pa paper? I go, I never got a paper one. Where am I supposed to get it? Oh, you have to go in this line. So I had to go over in this line. Wait, I'm losing my joy. It's just, uh, finally, they go, got up there. We had to give our name. You go to gate number three, get your paper one. Finally, I got my paper one, got my paper uh, boarding pass, and we got on the plane, flew all night. When I first got on the plane, I took my notes out that I'm going to preach today, reviewed them, but it's like middle of the night, and I'm just tired, so I put them in the pouch, fell asleep. We land this morning, get off the plane, go, and we're walking through the airport, and go, oh, no. Guess what I left on the plane? My notes, how to be joyful in the midst of problems. You go, ah, it's in seat 53. Someone here in the first service came up to me and said, we work for Philippine Airlines. We'll go see if we can find your notes. But I did, I did uh, download them. Kevin, uh, I sent them to Kevin. He printed them, so thank you very much. But here I am uh, preaching on joy. And it's those little things that tend to gnaw at you sometimes. And you, the, the Bible says we need to be joyful. Rejoice in the Lord always, as Paul says. And you go, and sometimes it's hard. I just, it's just, and you, you think of some of the believers that are over in the Middle East. You know, you have believers that are Palestinian, or they're Messianic Jews, or wherever, and they go, this is a war. How can I be joyful? What does Paul say? Rejoice in the Lord always? How do you do that? So Paul writes this letter, and it's a, it's a short letter, four chapters, the book of Philippians. But it's the most joyful letter that's, I think, in the Bible. But this book is written by Paul, who's in jail. He's writing a letter on how to be joyful while in jail. Just real quickly about Paul. Paul was uh, uh, a terrorist, in a way. He terrorized anyone who believed in Jesus. You believe in Jesus? 
I'm going to make sure you go to jail. I'm going to make sure your house is in disorder. I'm going to make sure I harass you. And so that was his job. He just went around harassing people that believed in Jesus. And then on the way to Damascus to arrest more Christians, he met Jesus. And Jesus spoke to him from heaven and said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Became a believer in Jesus and spent the rest of his life going all over Turkey sharing about Jesus to Jews and then to Gentiles. But it was, it was hard. He writes this letter to Philippi. You go, where is Philippi? Today, if you look at a map, you'll see that Philippi is up in Greece. And it's a, a little, I circled it there. You can go see the ruins that are there. It was a very flourishing city at the time. But Paul didn't have a good time in Philippi because as he's sharing about Jesus, some Jews didn't like him and they had him arrested. And he's thrown into jail with his friend Silas. So Philippi said, I have Philippi. Eh, I have thrown into jail there. Not the greatest memories. But if you start the book of Philippians, Paul just writes, hey, I thank God in verse 3, in all my remembrance of you. He's just joyful. Hey, I remember the good things I had, the good times I had in Philippi. Yeah, but didn't you get thrown in jail? Yeah, but you know what? I met some other believers, and they put their, uh, their witnessing to other people, and, and we planted a church, and it started to grow. I'm excited. I'm glad I went. Yeah, but you went to jail. Yeah, I'm in jail now. I'm used to jail. But, you know, he's just always joyful. As he's traveling, he, he would go on four different trips. He was arrested in Jerusalem, again, for preaching about Jesus thrown into jail for two years in Caesarea, which is along the coast. And there he's waiting trial for two years. And then finally he appealed to Caesar and got permission to do so. He put on a ship and sailed to Rome. But during the trip, it got shipwrecked, wandered around, and they got shipwrecked on the island of Malta. And as they're about to crash and, and fall into the sea, the captain in charge of the prisoners said, you know, all these prisoners are going to maybe escape, so I'm going to kill them all. Paul goes, no, don't kill them. Lord spoke to me and said, all of us are going to survive, but you can't kill anybody. And so the captain decided, all right, everyone jump in, grab some something, float, and they all made it to the island of Malta. Wow. Paul, you're God. Wow. What a great God. He gave you that vision and we're all safe and so they gather together and people kind of rescue them they they're making a fire and Paul goes out to get some wood and he brings it to the fire and as he's throwing it onto the fire people gasp because they see hanging on Paul's hand was this poisonous snake they go jeez they sit down yeah you're gonna die you know and they're just waiting for him to die and Paul sits there and nothing happens now they go He's not dying. He must be like a god. He goes, I'm not a god. I serve a living god, but I'm not a god. And then finally, winter goes. Another ship comes. He goes to Rome, and there he's in prison. Capital city of the entire Roman Empire. He's going to see the Caesar himself soon, but he's in prison right now. You go to Rome, and it, it used to look like that. If you go today, you still see some columns and some ancient ruins but Paul was put in prison for a long time. So he's in prison in Rome, writing to a church, church plant, a young church in Philippi, and he's writing this letter, a letter of thanks, a letter filled with joy. And when you're in the midst of problems, how do you find joy? This is a great, great letter. The whole book is. But I'm going to start 
in verse 12. Just give you some thoughts as we read this, this passage. Verse 12, and I'm reading from the uh, ESV. It says, I want you to know, brothers, that what's happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Just pause there, and I think one of the things as you, you think about your life is that you just have to have a, see life from an eternal perspective. See life from an eternal perspective. What are you going through? Paul says, listen, what I've gone through, and I just shared with you what he's gone through, has really served to advance the gospel. And what are you talking about? You had problems. Isn't Christian life supposed to be easy? Don't you believe in Jesus because he's going to meet your needs, care for you, and you're going to have you know, health and wealth? No, that's not it. God says he's more concerned with your character than your comfort. He wants to transform you from the inside out and use you to glorify God, to glorify himself. He says, you're my instrument that I will use. I've surrounded you with people that you can influence for me. And Paul says, hey, I've been used by God. You know, when I was in prison, I got to talk to every guard that came into my cell, and I had a new guard every four hours. I'm thankful that I get to share my faith. When I was bit by a snake, everyone thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to die, but I didn't. I can use that to give God glory. Some of your situations, you just go through problems, and then you can give God glory. You don't know if you're going to end up this way or this way, but whatever you're going through, you can just give praise to the Lord. During COVID, how many had COVID? Anyone here had COVID? A few? Lots? Yeah. I had it twice. First time, I uh, almost died. Uh, I was one of those that you've heard about, you know, and end up in the hospital. And I, was, I still remember it was just before Christmas Eve 21, no, I can't remember, 21? Christmas Eve 2021, and uh, we all set up. It was Tuesday. I think Christmas Eve was later on in the week. I went home, and all of a sudden, I go, oh, I don't feel well. And so you have COVID, you know, and you take the test, and I was, I was negative. I go, yeah, I just don't feel well. And then I laid down, and then the next day, my wife goes, you should take it again. And I took it again, and oh, no, I'm positive. Great. Well, what do you do when you have COVID? Well, you just quarantine. You just sit there and hopefully get better. So I laid there. Lost weight, didn't eat. Finally, uh, Vicky's calling the doctor. He says, take him to the hospital. I was pretty bad. Almost died. But you know, as, as people prayed and as the Lord was gracious to me and I, I survived, you tell your story. You, say, you realize your life is not in your doctor's hands. It's in the Lord's hands. He gives you the breath that you're breathing right now. You just have to remember that. And Paul says, whatever I've gone through, I, I know that there's a purpose behind every one of my problems. And what is it? What problem are you going through? Does God use that problem maybe as holy sandpaper to shave off a rough spot in your life, an attitude that needs to change, a new habit that needs to develop? What is God using your problems? So often we want to go through the problems. Get me through this problem. And God says, no, I'm going to keep you in this problem right now. I want, I want you to work it out. I want, I want to use you for my glory. And so Paul is saying, everything here, everything here that's happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So many stories of people that have struggled. Corey Tenboom, during World War II, her family hid Jews in Holland. 
Family was betrayed by somebody, said that house, they hide Jews. And so the Nazis came, arrested her and her family, and they eventually were sent to a concentration camp. Everyone died except for Corrie Ten Boom. By a clerical error, she was released from the concentration camp to tell the stories of what happened. And she said her and her sister spent most of their time together. Her sister Betsy died, but her sister was always the joyful one. Her sister was the one that saw God working in ways that Corey said, I, I never could see. And she shares this story that they were in this huge barrack of women to hold 400 women, but they had crammed 1,400 women in this barrack, and it smelled, and it was overcrowded, and it was filled with fleas. And when they're there, it's fleas or everyone. This is, this is horrible. And remember, God has a purpose behind every one of our problems. And Betsy, Corey's sister, always saying, well, God has a purpose here. God has a purpose. They had hidden a little New Testament. And they started to read it. Then they started to whisper it with each other. And pretty soon other women say, could you read it a little louder? We want to hear. And pretty soon they're reading the gospel to these women that were on the edge of eternity. And they're, they're listening to the words of scripture. And it's changing their lives. And many put their faith in Jesus during their time in that barrack. And it occurred to Corey, he goes, when we read this, everyone's listening to us, and we're never interrupted by the guards. She said, never once did the guards ever come, and we had to hide the Bible. They never came into our barrack. And she goes, you know why? I found out later. Because it stunk and was filled with fleas. And the guards never wanted to come. She goes, I had to start thinking that with these flea problems, God was using that for his glory and advancement of the gospel. And sometimes we don't see that. But God says, in the midst of your problems, see that I still can be glorified and still I'm not going to waste that problem. And Paul said that. He says, hey, look at it for an advancement of the gospel. And he says in verse 13, so it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to the rest of my imprisonment, uh, and to all the rest, that my imprisonment is for Christ. He says, I've been able to share the gospel so many times. And he had a great outlook on that. And then he goes on and he shares, he says, yeah, I know I'm away from you up there in Philippi. In verse 13, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry. He says, you know what? I'm not there now. And I've heard that some people have come into your church and they want to get attention for themselves and they might preach a little different than me. And I know they do it from envy and rivalry, but others do it from good. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. But what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, here's the point, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Paul had the right priorities. He goes, they're not doing what I would have done, but Christ is still being proclaimed. Not like that. It's the message of the gospel that Paul was concerned, not the methods. Maybe some guy's doing it differently, but he says the obvious message is being proclaimed, and I'm happy about that. As I travel around churches, every church has a different idea of how to do church. And that's, that's fine. As long as the message stays the same, amen? 
you got to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus lived, that he died for our sins, rose again, and that we need to put our faith in Jesus, and someday he's coming back again. And you, you preach Christ. And if a church is doing that, it doesn't matter if you have, uh, you know, the walls are painted one color, what kind of version of the Bible you're using, other things that seem to be petty. Sometimes we make, as someone says, mountains out of molehills. And Paul says, I, I just want you to keep your priorities straight. Are you preaching Christ? Is Christ being proclaimed by what you do and what you say? Is your action just proclaiming Christ? I don't care about your methods. And different preachers, Peter was a bold preacher, and Paul sometimes said, yeah, some of you say, I like Peter, and some like Apollos, and some like Paul, and says, forget that. It's all about Christ, making, making a point. And how do you do evangelism? Yeah, how do you share your faith? Well, just do it. I was a youth pastor years ago, and um, there was one guy, it wasn't that outspoken. He ended up being a chaplain in the Marines, but during his high school days, he just loved the Lord, but he didn't know how to you know, share the Lord, didn't feel comfortable talking. Uh, but he worked at McDonald's. And later on, I heard everyone at McDonald's knew he was a believer. Everyone. Everyone knew he went to church. And I asked him one day, how did you just start being this like evangelist at McDonald's? He said, I don't know. I don't know. I just answer questions, and they have always they ask me questions. I go, well, what'd you do? He goes, I don't, I don't know. He goes, the only thing I can think of, and people started questioning me, because I never swear. I don't swear. And if something happened, I would, the worst thing that would come out of my mouth was, oh, rats. People go, why do you say, oh, rats? He goes, I don't know, I'm just kind of mad. Well, why don't you swear? I don't want to. I'm a Christian. I think that's, you know, not the conduct that Jesus would want me to do. And so that's it. It, it. But that's his method. You go, that's weird, but it's just his conduct was good. Chuck Swindoll once said this, that we need to overlook or, or leave room for differences in your style and different methods, but just keep the, the message of Christ so strong. And Paul said that. And then he goes on and says this, um, I'm rejoicing that I get to share the gospel, I get to talk about Jesus. And then he says, Verse 19, I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. He says, you know, I need to be recharged. We're filled with problems in our lives, and you and I are. So we want to pre pre preach Christ, we want to proclaim the gospel. We get tired. I'm tired of being harassed for my faith. I'm tired of being, you know, left out, or, I, I, you know, other people do this, and I'm not part of that. And I'm just tired. And Paul says, I know what it feels like. We need to be recharged. Where do we get that? He says, I get recharged when people pray for me in the spirit of Jesus Christ. We have the spirit of Christ living us, and he's going to recharge us. He's going to do that. The other thing that helps is when you pray for other people. When you pray for other people, a lot of times when you pray, and this is great, we pray for our needs, and God certainly wants to provide for that. But don't forget to pray for other people. Other people that you know that have needs, pray for them that they need financial resources or they need emotional strength or they need wisdom. You pray for other people. That's what Paul says. Look, at, I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. Thank you for praying for others. 
Joy comes from putting, getting your priorities right and recharge. Joy, if you spell it, J means, would stand for Jesus. Keep him number one. Others, and then you. J-O-Y. Pray for others. You pray for what's going on in Israel. Pray for missionaries that are over there. Pray for believers that are over there. Palestinian and Messianic Jews and Arabs. and There are believers all over the world. And you just pray when you hear of some things that are going on. Pray for them. When you had your typhoon, uh, we heard about it and we put it out on our newsletter and we said, they're, they're struggling, the power's down. Would you just pray for them? And our churches knew about it. And many of them were just praying for you as you were just going through the, uh, the aftermath. Prayer is so important. Just pray for others. It just lifts people up. And Paul says, I am so glad that people are praying for me. The older I get and people come up and say, hey, I'm praying for you, I go, thank you. Thank you. Prayer changes things, and we just need to pray as much as we can for other people. And then Paul goes on, and he writes this. He says in verse 20, as is my either eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. And here's a key verse. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul says, I, I'm here to serve Christ, and, and that's my purpose in life. We've got to remember what your purpose is in life. What's your purpose? Why are you here? Paul said, for me to live is Christ. That's my purpose. For you, that should be your purpose. Paul wrote in Ephesians that God created you as a masterpiece of all of the creation. Next time you look in the mirror, you go, I'm a masterpiece. And you are. God created you as a masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10. You're a masterpiece. But he says, I made you as this beautiful masterpiece to do the good works that I've created long ago for you to do. God has something for you to do this week. But we're here to serve God and live for Christ. In America, sometimes we have different purposes. Uh, for me to live, people would say, is to make more money. For me to live is to get recognized. For me to live is to be popular. For me to live, I want to have power. And sometimes we just live for possessions. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. Is that why we're here? No. God's given you a purpose to live, and that's to glorify him, and that's what we need to do. And Paul says, for me to live is Christ. Now he says, I, I'm, I'm torn because I want to be with Christ, so if I die, that's okay because I'm going to be with Jesus. But if I live, I think that's better because I'm going to help you. You're here to encourage others. And that should give you joy that God is using you to help others. And God then will help you as you go through that. And then look down in verse 27. He says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit and with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Be committed to one another. Just be committed to one another. You're in this together. 
I keep using Israel as an example because it's on my mind. You see the news. But you see so many of the Jews now saying, we're this little country and we're coming together. The reserves are being called up. And uh, the, one of the airlines says, if you're in a different part of the world, we'll fly you back to Israel because we're in this together. But as believers, we're in this together. We're here to support one another. Paul says we're with one mind and one purpose, striving side by side for one another. We need to care for one another as that brings joy into our lives and say, you know what, I'm praying for you and I'm helping you and you should get joy. Paul says, get joy out of striving side by side with one another. Uh, we just need to conduct ourselves, though, in a way that helps Jesus Christ be glorified by your language, by your actions, by what you do. Vicki and I moved into our neighborhood years ago and as I moved in the neighborhood, I thought, well, maybe I can get to know that, those neighbors and maybe invite them, find out if they go to church. If not, invite them to my church. Maybe that neighbor, well, they're nice. Maybe that Across the street, though, yeah, there's a cranky guy. I go, ah, probably, I'm not even going to get to know him. Have you ever done that? Find someone, oh, there's no chance they're coming to church. But later on, I'm outside, and cranky man comes across the street. He talks to me. He goes, what do you do? Like for a living. I go, I don't know. Uh, I'm a pastor. Oh, that's, that answers it. And I go, whoa. He goes, every Sunday, I can't figure it out, but you leave on Sunday morning, and I don't know what you do. Who works on a Sunday? But now that, now I know. And he walked back. I go, oh. He's out there watching, you know. I go, this guy's watching me all the time. And over the years, this guy would watch, and we get to talk. He'd come across the street and talk to me, and we got to know him. We got to know his wife, and his wife turned out to be one of those CEOs that we at first call them Christmas and Easter-only people that would come to church. And she would come, and she put her faith in Christ. You go, wow. I didn't think that would work out, but God works in mysterious ways, and we're still praying for the man, that he would come to know the Lord. But, you know, we need to walk in a way that's worthy of calling ourselves a child of the king. Child of the king of kings. I love football, and the New Orleans Saints have a running back, uh, Alvin Kamara. He's very good. But he was suspended this year because he had conduct unbecoming of a member of the New Orleans Saints football team. He was in a fight in a nightclub, and he said, I was wrong. I was wrong. And they suspended him because they said, you don't conduct yourself like that off the field representing our team. And if you think of an NFL team that has that requirement, think, what does God want you to do? What does God want me to do? What kind of conduct? And Paul just says, conduct yourself in a way that honors Christ, that we might be in this together, and that we might fight together. It says, not frightened in any by your opponents. We're in this together, so we're strong, strong when we're together, better together than we are separate. You're better together than you are separately. That's why you come to church. Some people say, I don't need to go to church being a Christian. That's true. But you're like a log on a fire that's thrown away, and you're slowly your flame's going to just kind of peter out. But if you put those burning logs together, the bonfire grows stronger and stronger. And the light is seen as you encourage and strengthen one another. And so we fight together. We stand up for the Lord together. And we do what we can. So as you think of this passage, 
Can you have joy in the midst of your problems? Yeah. I don't know what kind of problems you have. I don't know if it's financial or it's some relationship problems or it's just uh, some other kind of problems. But Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says you can have joy as you go through life. I will bring you and give you that joy and that joy will fill you up and hopefully will spread to others. And a couple questions. Do you have God's perspective on your problems? God's perspective, he's using these problems to shape you into the type of man and woman he wants you to be. And have you learned what's important in life or are you focusing on minor details? And are you living to pray for others, not just for yourself? And do you remember God has given you a purpose in life and that is to glorify him. I'm here to live for Christ, not for myself. There's a boy named uh, Peter who grew up in Czechoslovakia and his dad was a believer in Jesus and did things that honored God, but he would often be harassed by the communists. But little Peter saw his dad living for Christ. Peter now was living for Christ. He's a married man, lives in the Czech Republic, but he still wanted to do what his dad does or did. He works for Voice of the Martyrs and he's going around. He was in Sudan helping a hospital, a Christian hospital run by Christians to care for the needy. Also a vocational school to train up people that they had skills. He came down for a week to Sudan. Then he was just before Christmas going to go up back home. And the Sudanese officials at the airport arrested him. They put him in prison. His crime, they said it was, you're spying. But his crime was sharing about Jesus in a Muslim world, and they didn't want him to do that, and they sentenced him to 20 years in prison. This is in 2017. He was in prison and praised the Lord through the prayers of people and through the uh, political channels. He was freed after 445 days. But he said, at first I was not joyful. I was angry and mad. But then I saw that God could use me in prison, surrounded by criminals and Muslim criminals, that first hated me for being a believer, but then slowly one by one would come and whisper, can you tell me about Jesus? And he says, I got to lead a couple of men to saving knowledge in Jesus. And he had a different perspective on life. And I think as you go through your problems, you just realize, hey, I've got to have an eternal perspective on life. Look at things this week, next week, and say, what does God want to do in my life? and then through me to touch others. And always find joy in those little things. One more story, it was Christmas Eve years ago, I was pastor of a church. Christmas Eve, a lot of visitors come, and I wanted to have a real special time. And one of them was that I had a family, my youth pastor, I had four kids, that memorized Luke chapter two, the Christmas story. So we were gonna have them just get up and share Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story. They did that. First one did great. Second one, great. And you go, how do these little kids memorize verses, you know? I have trouble with my phone number. It was just like really great. The third one started to share, and then he took a breath, and he burped. And everyone starts to giggle. And I, I go, oh, no. Because you see in his eyes, he goes, I'm funny. And burping is fun. So he took another gulp of air and just burped. And then just kept burping, you know, and it's Christmas Eve, and you go, I don't want this on my Christmas. He just kept burping until my youth pastor goes, come on, and took him down. I go, this is not the way Christmas Eve should go. And I was not joyful again. And then we had candlelight service, and uh, everyone had candles, turned all the lights off. I'm holding my candle, lit it, 
talked about Jesus being the light of the world. And then I was going to go down and then that we should all share this light. It was, it was well planned. We did it. But as I'm talking, I said, no, Jesus is the light of the world. And I blew out the light of the world. <laughs> and I go, and I couldn't see. The, it was so dark. So I go, does anyone have a lighter? And one guy goes, yeah, I got a lighter. And so he had like a blowtorch. <laughs> Lit my candle, but melted the first time. Top. Now this scalding hot wax is on my hand. I'm going, hmm. And it's just, I, my family is over here. I have four kids. And they're on the floor laughing. This is great, you know. And I go, this is not great. This is not a joyful experience for me. And people just were laughing, you know, and we're handing out the light. We did that. We sang Silent Night. My, my hand, I had to wrap it up. It was so burnt and stuff. And I, but afterwards, people come up. This was the best Christmas Eve service Ever, I'm coming back. I go, in the worst of situation, there's joy, right? And sometimes we're perspective is all about me, but we got to think, can God use this for his glory? God never wastes anything if he can use it for his glory. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time that we can study your word. Thank you for the apostle Paul, who's joyful, even though his life was filled with pressure and pain and in prison. But Lord... Help us to follow his example. And in the midst of our pain, to remain joyful. That people see us, how we handle joy, because we have a relationship with you. And you give us peace. You give us patience. You give us wisdom. And Lord, as we are filled with that joy and the fruit of the Spirit, help us to drift out of our cup and onto the lives of people that you have surrounded us with other believers that need to be encouraged, unbelievers that need to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Use us this week and the rest of our lives, even in our worst problems, to glorify you. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I don't know what the Lord is speaking to you right now, but just listen to him. Maybe there's something he's telling you, an attitude to change or a situation that you might need to look at with a different perspective. What's God telling you? Say, God, here I am. Use me in the midst of my problems for your glory. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, Jesus will give you joy that is greater than you possibly can imagine. He is the source of joy. And it comes from surrendering your life to Him. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life but it's only through your belief in Jesus who died for your sins. There's no way you could be good enough to get to heaven. And heaven is a real place. But Jesus said, if you trust in me, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And if you want to grasp this joy and allow it to fill up your life, but you've never done that. You say, how do I become a Christian? It's just surrendering your life to Jesus. And you can just say a prayer. Where you're seated, not out loud, but you can say something repeat after me if you'd like. Say this prayer. Lord, I admit I'm a sinner, but I ask you to come into my life and forgive me of all of my sins and fill me with your love and with your joy. I believe that you died for my sins on the cross. I believe that you rose from the dead and lived today and someday you're coming back. Help me to know more about you. But right now, I surrender my life to you Use me for your glory. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Jesucristo.